0: Alright. Good morning, everybody. morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy birthday to my dad. Yeah! Truly a new year for him, right? All of us, we just do it for the celebration. Awesome. Awesome. Alright, so uh, we have the good bunch in the house. Alright? Um, at least the dedicated ones. You know, you partied hard last night, maybe. Some of you, maybe the ones with the kids, did not as much. Um, but then you woke up this morning and you came to church. Uh, I heard Luba saying yesterday, he's like, oh man, the party ends at 7 a.m. That means I'm going to be in on time for church. <laughs> so, he's here. He was here, he was worshiping. Um, here in your presence, I don't know. I always tell Mino and I always tell the team, that song just does it for me. And it it really does it for me because it describes and it tells a story. You know, if you close your eyes and just imagine what the words are saying, you start to picture kind of God in his element. And you start to picture God, at least this is what I picture, you start, I start to picture God um, just in the universe, in the heavens, and as he touches our hearts and touches our whole, uh, our whole being, our whole planet, our whole earth, he really just makes two things become one. He, he unites the heavens and he unites the earth and wherever he is present, it's just glorious. It's just amazing. And I just love that song and uh, I don't think I'll ever stop loving it. It's just a really amazing song, so yeah, that did it for me, that's for sure. All right, so I believe uh, since it is New Year, there's a tradition that we must partake in, all right? And the tradition is this, we celebrated, we drank our drink, (laughs) all right? We had our fun, we partied really hard, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But then you come to church, you sit down, you reminisce and you remember 2016, you remember last night, or maybe not, (laughs) and and you enter into a time of confession, right? I mean, I don't don't know about you guys, but I think it's important. So we we come to church after a long time, parting, hard, loving life. You know, living to its fullness. It's a a week after the birth, after we celebrate Christ's birthday, that we enter into all this drinking and merriment, right? And then we come to church and we we enter into a time of confession. Now, I'm not going to ask you guys to confess your sins today. Um, Maybe I will, but at this point, breathe easy. We're not going to have you come up and speak to Pastor Henry and tell him all the wrong you did (laughs) six hours ago. We're not going to do that, all right? You're safe. However, me, on behalf of myself and behalf of the larger church, I'll make a confession. We're going to start off this new year right. So here's my confession. Um, It's a belief, really, that the church delivers a message that I define as being watered down. A message that comes to us secondhand, thirdhand, third hand, fourth hand, because sometimes we're just too lazy to go out and get it ourselves. If you've ever played the game telephone, where you tell the person in front of you a sentence that was first said, the message of God seems to be telephoned down for the last 2017 years. It's a script that we discuss that's based on a true story. It's a version or interpretation of his word, not necessarily always his word. And more often than not, the the message is preached by someone like me. And I look at myself, and what I really see is a wolf in sheep's clothing. A person who is more like a goblin and a troll. A gruesome creature. Nothing pretty, even though my wife disagrees. <laughs> The message is often preached by someone who is vile and crooked. A repulsive addict, addicted and enveloped by all sorts of monstrosities that God entitles sin. But I feel safe because I look at you And I feel that I'm in like company. I'm with brothers and sisters who too are goblins and trolls. (laughs) You look good today. But man, if you've ever heard one of Rea's messages, we're just all fighting to see who could be at the top of this crappy. Right? You see, we have a church that waters down the word of God. So as to not step on any big feet, we have. To make sure you, the people, are appeased. We swallow our words. We do not correct. (coughs) Because we don't want to hurt your feelings. You see, we've become a church that has been desensitized to God's precepts, but compassionate to the precepts of man. In our small groups, one on one conversations, Bible studies, youth groups, in our ministries, worship ministry, and moments of realization, we say we would love honesty. We tell our brothers and sisters, we want to hear the truth. We want accountability. We want to be accountable to you and for you to be accountable to me. For the worship team, last year, our word was transparency. We want to be transparent to one another. But in our heart of hearts, we do not like it when we are exposed when the finger is pointed our way. We do not like it when we are asked or even told to do something. We do not like being corrected. The question is why? It could be because of pride and a various number of other reasons. But I believe... We don't like being corrected, it's because we already know. We already know what's right, but we choose wrong. The number of conversations I've had with people who cover up the truth and direction God has for their lives due to personal reasons and wants is insane. We already know the will of God. But we've ignored it so much that we no longer recognize its call upon our lives. How many times have you heard or even said to yourself, I know I should, but... I say it to Adam all the time, I know I should go to the gym, but man, I love food. I know I should lose weight and put this burger down, but it tastes so good, right? Or how about this? I know I should go back to school, but I don't know what I want to do with my life. Or I should go to bed, but I want to have fun. (laughs) And telling by these empty seats, a lot of people said, I should go to church, but I'm tired. I should do as God says, but quite frankly, I don't want to. Or better yet, the Christian answer, but I can't hear him. He doesn't speak to me. He only speaks to good people. I know I should be the bigger person, but why should I always be the bigger person? We've gone from being the bride of Christ to being the bride of Chucky. (laughs) We've gone from being this holy, beautiful being, this, this entity, this church that loves people, loves God, to doing anything but that. So how do we get here and more importantly what do we do? Well, for starters, I believe we got here by making an attempt to control passion. We as a church sometimes do not value passion because your passion looks angry. Passion doesn't fit our model of what sometimes a Christian should look, look like. Jesus was passionate. Pharisees didn't like him. Paul was passionate. People didn't like him. King David was passionate. He sucks. We stifle passion. Passion. When we were younger, the worship team and I, we wanted to go all out. We said, who cares how loud it is? But guess what? Some of our older group said, no, don't do it. Reserve yourself. I feel another way we've gotten here is by indoctrinating people into cookie-cutter leadership. We've limited the improvisation, the jazz, the freedom of God's spirit. What we've tried to do is we've tried to take God and put him in a bottle and pour him out at our delight. We who are instruments of God's glory have merely gotten in his way. There's this movie um, that Anna and I went, went to watch this uh, past week. And it's called Passengers. And for those who have seen it, awesome. For those who haven't, gotta watch it. It is such a good movie. But in that movie, there was a scene that made me scared. And not, it wasn't like a scary movie. Uh, because I don't like scary movies. But it was a scene where I was just like, God, that is insane. Because it is a reality. It's a movie about, that takes place in space. And in space, as much as we humans try to control it, there is no controlling space. Here on earth, we can control it. We have gravity. We have our machines. We can cut trees down. We can destroy rivers. We can kill animals. We can, we can hinder humans. We can do what we want here on earth. But once we leave this earth, once we're kind of in God's domain, in, in a place and space where he says, you know, you don't rule this part of the, of the universe. We have no control. And it just reminded me of the awesomeness of God. Of his magnitude and his greatness. It just reminded me of how uncontrollable he is. And how even in the midst of chaos, he is good. He is fine, he's cool, he's, he's like, man, this is chaotic, really? This is just Tuesday, this is nothing to me. If you think your life is bad and that you have in so many problems that that you can't wrap your mind around and you can't get over and you have sins that are hindering you and bringing you down and pulling you and tearing you apart and ripping your family apart and just killing you, God is saying, what? That is nothing to me. As much as I am God of your little universe, I am God of my universe. I can literally walk into space and control it. I can literally tell the earth to move or to stop, and it will do it. I can have full conversations with trees and cement. <laughs> I could do anything and in all things. I am glorious. That is the king we serve, but we forget it. And the coolest part of it all is he's actually said, hey, come alongside me and let me show you. I'm always stopped by that verse in the Bible that talks about how how we're going to do greater things than even Christ. I don't think anybody has done greater things than Christ. I'm waiting for the day to see it. But it is amazing that God says that is the extent of your power. You have not even touched nor scratched it. But I need you to come alongside me so I can show you. 2016 has passed. Leave your troubles there. Leave your concerns and your doubts in 2016. Make 2017 a new year, a new day, a new moment in your life where you say, okay, God, let me challenge you. Let me come alongside you and see what you can do. And it's not a test to God. Please do not test him. But it's commitment to say, I'm going to give all of me. So going back to the question, how did we get here? How did we get to a point of watered-down Christianity? And what do we do? Well, we do nothing. We as the church do absolutely nothing. I'll tell you what the church's role in all of this is. The church is here to support you. You do something. The church's role is here to pray for you and surround and encourage you. The church's role is to uh, teach and offer counsel. So we do nothing. You do something. Imagine with me for a second, if your heart talks to your legs and says, hey man, how are we going to pump this blood through this body? (laughs) Your legs are going to be like, man, we ain't going to pump nothing through this body. You pump the blood, I'll get us walking. That's exactly what the church is about. Don't come to us or the church Or Agape and say What are we going to do about getting Millennials in these seats Man we ain't going to do nothing What are you going to do About getting these seats filled Man what are we going to do About praying for people Who are dying and suffering Man we ain't going to do nothing How about you gather your people You gather your friends And then you all Pray for people who are suffering What are we going to do about feeding our hungry and thirsty hearts and souls for the word of God. And we ain't going to do nothing. All we're going to do is say, we encourage you to do it. Pick it up and go do it. Stop making excuses for yourself. Well, the church ain't doing it, so I ain't doing it. God is calling you out. God already has the mission for the church. But God has a call on your life. The church's purpose has already been fulfilled. You as people who fill these seats, it's your daily responsibility before God and before one another to fulfill the purpose that God has laid upon your life. Do not push it or pass it off onto anybody else but take responsibilities for your action or for your inaction. So this leads us to the question, how should I do what God wants me to? Or how do I even know what God wants me to do? And here's the simplest answer. It's a Jesus answer. We all love to hate it. You already know what you're supposed to do. See, He's in you. The Holy Spirit has been given to you. The answers are already there. You already know what you're supposed to do. You just need to listen. We're going to jump into Romans 8. That was a very long introduction, by the way, guys. That was... If you thought church was ending early, it's not. Mom's giving me time. Ain't happening today. <laughs> we're going to extend this service. Not too long, all right? So we're going to look at Romans 8, and I want you to listen carefully. Because this is the answer to how you should know and do what God is asking you. We spend many of our hours, and days, and years asking this question, God, what do you want from me? What am I supposed to do? What is my purpose in life? Well, listen up. We're going to give it to you right here. We're, going to, we're going to, I'm, I'm going to lay it down for you. I'm going to break it down for you. But no, I've already given you the answer. And the answer is that it's in you. We're going to go into a little bit more detail. So Romans 8, chapter 1, we're going to jump around a little bit, so let's get reading. It says, So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Verse 5, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God or His laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Listen to these words. God doesn't use words like never a lot. But those who are still under, control, under the control of their sinful nature will never please God. I don't care how many songs you sing. I don't care how much scripture you know, you will never please Him. That means ever. Ever. Like, try to say it again. Ever. You will never, ever, 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 ever please God. Ever. But, you are not controlled by your sinful nature, you are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you. Alright, so step one. You need to ask yourself a question. Come to this. Right, we're trying to figure out how God, how do I know what you want from me? So first step is you've got to ask yourself a question. And it is this. It's, um, am I dominated by sinful thoughts? Or am I dominated by the Spirit of God? What dominates my life? Now the answer is sinful thoughts, just in case you were wrestling with that question. All right? So step two, really quickly, is to take a moment to confess, ask God's forgiveness, and recommit your life over to God. Rededicate your life to Him. We're talking about newness, being in a new year, celebrating, yay, 2016's gone. 2017 is here. This is awesome. Well, in that newness, my prayer is that you become a new soul and a new being and a person who can pray to God for forgiveness, can recognize the sins of their current and their past, can walk through it and away and past it and rededicate your life to God. Recommit to Him. Almost like your military contract is up and you're going back to God to say, Hey, I'm here to re enlist in your army. I'm here to fight your fight. Moving on, verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. No obligation, meaning you have a choice to fall or stand. You have a choice to be dominated by spirit or dominated by sin. You have no obligation to do as your sinful nature asks or requests of you. 13. For if you live by its dictates, if you live by sin's laws, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. This is so important right here, guys. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves even in the presence of space. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. In some texts, it says, when the Spirit of sonship Upon you. That's pretty awesome. Now we will call him Abba Father. And since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory of. He will reveal to us later. Step three. Just recognize. Recognize who it is that you represent. Through the good and the bad, through the ups and the downs, the peaks and the valleys, in glory and in suffering, understand that you are a child of God. And as such, you represent his family. You represent his name. There was a moment in my life where my mother made me realize this. This idea of representing family. And representing my parents. in what I do and what I say and how I act. And in the Indian culture, we go around and every time we enter a room in a party and we greet everybody in that room. And I know in other cultures they do that as well. But you have to greet everybody uncles, aunts, kiss, hug, handshake, whatever. You just need to acknowledge their presence. And it was a respect thing. And I was upset with one of my mother's friends. I believe rightfully so. So I passed her. So I I ain't gonna say hi to you. I'm mad at you. Man, that was a wrong decision. (laughs) Because my mom pulled me aside, says, I don't care who you're mad at. I don't care what she did. You represent this family. That was the gist of it. I'm sure she said a lot more. But I started to recognize that my actions aren't only for me. My actions have an impact on my name, and on my family, and the people who raised and developed me. That if, if I do something wrong, I'm not representing my family right. I'm dishonoring them. The blessing that younger parents have is they have the wisdom of their parents. Kiadi is being raised. The left children are being raised, and they're going to be teaching them values and principles based on their family of love, respect, or whatever it might be. And I know for certain that if my future kids or if Kiati does something that is dishonoring of Mino and Lantu and their family, best be right. I will correct him. Especially if they're not present. He doesn't get a pass because mom and dad aren't there. I never got a pass because my parents weren't around me 24-7. I recognized that I represent them. Just like that, you as children of God represent him. And everything you do, and everything you say, and everything, guess what? You think. And everything. So know that the stupidity that flows from your mouth represents him. It doesn't matter if you said it over the phone or you whispered it or you shouted it out from the mountaintops or you tweeted it or you Facebook messaged it or you text messaged it or you wrote it down in your diary. You represent him. Understand that your hate and your own personal prejudices make people assume that God holds those same beliefs. And let's get it straightened out right here. God does not hate homosexuals. Nor does he hate the people that abort the children. That's on you. That's your personal stuff. You deal with it. Don't put that on God. And don't turn away people who are struggling in different variations of sin. Because of what you don't like. Don't get things mixed up. Know that the example you set and follow are seen by others, and in turn that example being set is believed to be indicative of the, of the example that God sets. Imagine that. That the example that you set, people are saying, well, this is the God you serve. You go to church every day. You love this king. Last time when you were lecturing me when I messed up, Talking about God is good and all that. Now I see you on this table getting drunk and smashed. Love and life. That must be the God that you serve. Cool, that's fine with me too. The example you set is looked at. People see you. Christians and non-Christians alike, guys. And lastly... I really try to leave Donald Trump out of this message. I'm going to leave him out of this message. But lastly, if you've been wrapped up in this presidential election, please understand that using God or Biblical principles as a way of justifying who you're voting for is absolutely ridiculous. God, God, you don't care about your politics. He don't care. Honestly, he don't care about your president. He is already president of heaven. He is already king. Again, who's at the top of this crap heap is meaningless to him. God is saying, "I don't care what president you love or you follow." Is that the cue? Or is that the music? Yeah. Uh, I don't care. What president you love or follow. If I'm not president of your life, you're already messed up. So please don't get it twisted that because you love Jesus, you voted for this candidate. No, I'm sorry. You love yourself. That's why you voted for that candidate. See, people aren't moving away from God because of God. People are moving away from God because of His representatives. Because of His delegates. His Congress. His House of Representatives. That's why people are moving away from God. It has nothing to do with God. Verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Let me read that one more time. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit... Prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. There is your answer. Step four. Here is the answer Use the Spirit. Use the force. For you Star Wars fans, you know what I'm talking about. The force. So some Star Wars nerds, I don't know if there are any in here, define it as an energy that connects all living things. And its power could be used by individuals, check it out, who are sensitive to it. who listened to it, who knew it, and who could feel it. Does that sound familiar? The Force offered direction and purpose to the Jedi Knight. Like it, the Spirit is the same thing in real life. It is through the Spirit of God that you receive your direction, that you get your answers, and that you know God's plan for you. Only through the Spirit. This is your lifeline and connection to God. This is your spiritual, intergalactic, cellular device. This is the power. That exists in you. 1 John chapter 2 verse 27 says. You have received the Holy Spirit. You have received the Holy Spirit. And He lives within you. So you don't need to teach. You don't need anyone to teach. You what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything. The Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what He teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as He has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. Check it out. Recognize yourselves as children of God. Those are the steps you need to take to understanding what God's purpose is in your life. Step one, who dominates me? My sinful nature or the Spirit of God? Step two, pray for forgiveness. Recognize your wrongdoings. And rededicate your life to God. Step three recognize whose you are and who you represent. Even in the lowest moments of your life, when you feel like giving up, even in uncontrollable circumstances, recognize who you represent. And step four, Feel the force. Feel the power that God has given you, put in you. Use it. Listen to it. Take time to recognize and to connect with it. As you reflect on these four steps that we've learned in Romans chapter 8, I want to encourage you to go back and read Romans 8. You can do it now, you can do it after service, but at some point today, go back and read Romans chapter 8. And recognize the power of the Spirit that is in you. Because I truly believe that even you, even me, any one of us, can do greater things than the Son of God. Because we are children of God. We are heirs to his kingdom. Amen? May the force be with you.